G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 23 Review. Yes, the home and away season is done and dusted. 198 home and away games, nine big juicy finals to come. It'll take us to 207 games for the season We've been here for all of them, as you know, as have you guys. Uh, it was an amazing conclusion to the home and away rounds. Uh, let's hope the final series is half as good as this home and away season has been. As I say, very good evening to my co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. How are you, Shorey? Pretty exciting stuff. Well, it was today. There's no doubt about that edge of the seat stuff. And uh, I guess um, looking at uh, Collingwood year, extraordinary. And, of course, uh, Carlton to be in the eight for the whole of the season. It's making a lot of people happy, but I, uh, I'm i not one of those. I think uh, they made the running, they made the play, uh, they were in there all year, and it's very disappointing that um, a few, which we'll talk about, a few um, nervous moments in that last quarter, similar to Melbourne, unfortunately, has cost them a final spot with the, with the Bulldogs just lurking and falling in at the last moment. So Carlton essentially in the eight for all but the last one and a half minutes of the season. Touch of the uh, touch of the Sergio Aguero final day of the EPL seasons about this. It was uh, it was dramatic stuff, and uh, anyone who saw that would agree. We will review that game in detail, but we've got nine games to review in detail. Before we do that, though. Uh, we have, just as we record this, in fact, moments before we recorded this, the AFL, after some, um, it must have been a vigorous debate because uh, it's only about 9.20pm Sunday evening that the AFL has released the schedule for week one of the finals. So here it is, hot off the presses as we record this, uh, the final schedule for week one. Thursday evening, September the 1st, is the second elimination final at the Gabba, 7.20pm Eastern Standard Time between Brisbane and Richmond. Friday evening at the MCG, the second qualifying final between Melbourne and Sydney, 7.50pm game time for that one. And a double header on Saturday the first qualifying final between Geelong and Collingwood at the MCG. Two, two o'clock on the MCG, you beauty. No, no, no it's at 4.35 oh. p.m., Robert. It is oh. a twilight game. And yes, that will have been done for Channel 7. Uh, 4.35 okay. p.m., Geelong Collingwood at the MCG, rolling straight into or close to the first elimination final in Perth at Optus Stadium, 8.10pm Eastern Standard Time, 6.10pm local time at Optus Stadium, the first elimination final between Frio, Western Bulldogs. So just recapping that, Brisbane-Richmond at the Gabba Thursday night, 
Melbourne, Sydney at the MCG Friday night, Saturday, 4.35 p.m., Geelong v. Collingwood at the MCG, Fremantle v. Western Bulldogs, Optus Stadium in Perth, 8.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Saturday night, 6.10 p.m. Perth time. Uh, what do you think of those matchups, Rob? Pretty yeah. juicy. You happy with that? Oh, well, are you happy with that 4.35? I know it's rolling into the later game. No, no, uh, no. Coming no. in from Perth, you're not? I'm not. I hate oh, Twilight. No, I hate Twilight games. I love big Saturday afternoon finals. And uh, look, I mean, I'm sure it'll yeah. race a bit more. I don't think it'll rate a lot more. Uh, what was today's rate... game? Three three twenty. Three twenty. Yeah. So uh, an that was hour a late block, that. blockbuster crowd. How yeah, early? Yeah, it was. There um, were three twenties about as late as you get. I reckon and be classified as an afternoon game. No, four thirty-five is officially twilight. I don't like it, but uh, stuff that. Uh, it's a moot point anyway. What do you think of the matchups? I think they're pretty enticing matchups, all of them. Yeah, and it starts with uh, Richmond travelling to the Gabba. I think that's a ripper because, uh, gee. Uh, they're hitting really good form and we're all wait for selection in 10 days or so to see if Dustin Martin can get in that side. Uh, we're not going to do our selection or previews yet, Rowan, but uh, I tell you what, the uh, lines have been very, very nervous looking at that. Uh, the others are falling into place. Uh, the Western Bulldogs deserve to have to travel. They're the last qualifier, so they've got to go over there to... But they're also a good travelling side. Um, but... Uh, uh, Fremantle, that, that place will be rocking over there, I tell you. Uh, Melbourne, Sydney, just about the pick of them for me too. Uh, that was a great game last time at the G and the Swans caused a considerable upset. I think they'll be right at home on the G. So looking forward to oh, that yeah, one yeah. as well. Not going to worry them in the least, as is Brisbane. Uh, the Gabba's not going to worry. So there's some teams that are travelling that uh, aren't too concerned at all, Rowan. Correct. All right. But before we get there, and we, of course, will preview all those games in full in the week leading up to them, uh, a big final round of footy to dissect in detail. Let's get into it. On Footyology, wrap around. The final home and away round of the AFL season kicked off with a massive game up at the Gabba Friday evening. Melbourne and Brisbane battling to uh, ensure a spot in the top four and a massive statement made here and it was made by the reigning Premier. What a performance by the Demons who, uh, I don't know if this is a word, but I'm going to use it, spifflocated Brisbane on their home deck. The final scores, Melbourne 18 goals, 7, 115 to Brisbane's relatively lame, eight goals, nine, 57. The goal kickers for the Demons, four to Bailey Fritch, four to Cozzy Pickett, three to Brown, two to Petrarca, singles the rest. And for Brisbane, two to Danaher, two to McLuggage, and singles the rest. Massive crowd there, 32,000 to see it, but... The writing was on the wall right from the word go, Robert. Melbourne racking up a 10-plus uh, uh, contested possession stat just in that first quarter. Uh, and at halftime, by which time uh, things were well and truly over, with a thumping 66-point margin by halftime. But this was all about efficiency, Robert, because at halftime, 
despite that scoreline, despite Melbourne's uh, 14-plus contested ball numbers, the inside 50s were 26 apiece. But the Demons could not have been more efficient and where they did the damage on the turnover. At halftime, Melbourne had forced 38 turnovers and they'd scored seven goals one from those turnovers. I think Brisbane had scored just one goal from their turnovers at the same moment. It was a faultless display. And uh, in the second half, just a holding mission, really six goals to five. Uh, pretty irrelevant, everything that happened after halftime. What a statement they made. Very impressive. Do you agree? It was amazing, wasn't it? And and efficiency and style of game. A final style of game against a style of game that has had question marks at the pointy end raised for the last two or three years, Rowan. And to us, that we've looked this very, very closely, um, how are they going to change this in two weeks, Brisbane? Because one has got a severe superior, and you mentioned the stats. I know I'm stopped. Clearances were about the same. Centre bounces 16-9 to Brisbane. Uh, the marks were about the same. Melbourne won the contested positions 140 to 130. Rowan, there's insignificant differences in the you know people looking at stats, but I tell you what, there is difference the way one team plays compared to the others with a view to winning a final. Mm. Well, you know what? I, I've been saying the last couple of weeks, my worry about Melbourne was the forward setup, And I've said, in fact, I think, I can't remember if I said it on the podcast, I might have, but the structurally the most important person to Melbourne's <laughs> hopes was a curly-headed key forward. I knew you'd raise this. You well, and he's kicked three and you're up and about. Well, Good on you, Mike Williamson. <laughs> I tip this. <laughs> I tip this. Well, he is their talisman, and they just function so much better. Look, clearly getting the ball down there quickly makes a difference too, and you know, winning that contested ball makes a difference there. But uh, he just moved more. He found space. He, he took some grabs, kicked some goals, and they just – everything looked better as a result. I think Bailey Fritch functions better because Brown – played better. I think uh, Pickett functions better because he knows there's more contests to get to the feet of. Um, you, just just on that, yeah. Like we've sung the praises of the medium to small forwards. Mm. Now, Melbourne lost Christian Salem. Yeah. Christian Salem isn't a tough, uh, uh, mentally tough, not a tough lock them down uh, in the style of Michael Hibbert. He's the ball user. So they lost him. They were still able to hold Cameron to Cameron zero, Rayner one, McCarthy one, Bailey zero. Yeah, yeah, no. Just, uh, Brisbane's forward line was uh, was woeful with the opportunities it did have. And the big blokes offered nothing either. Yeah, well, no. they they did. They were insignificant uh, for yeah. Melbourne. Clayton Oliver, terrific as ever. Thirty disposals, thirteen clearances. Angus Brayshaw. Uh, gone back into that midfield and, and doing a heap of damage. He had 27. Uh, Brisbane's best, probably Lockie Neal, uh, 29 disposals. But uh, good battle with Brayshaw in the middle. That was, yeah, it, you know, but gee, they were few and far between, weren't they? I mean, Jared Lyons, pretty uh, inconspicuous. McLuggage was sort of okay. But uh, uh, this is a belting and 58 points and coming off the back of their last belting against Melbourne, which I think was 64 points, 
yeah. that was only eight weeks ago. Um, they certainly wouldn't want to come up against Melbourne in the finals, but I, I think, I think they're. I'm scratching them as any sort of flag threat whatsoever. They're just not. They're not tough enough, Robert. They've got a terrific side on paper. We yeah. thought that Mitch Robinson and Matheson might add something. Well, Mitch Robinson's in the VFL. Matheson's going okay. But on every line, Ryan, you know, you look at Starsevich and Rich across halfback. We've spoken about Cameron and Rayner, this brilliant forward line, very strong in the rucks, the Brownlow medalist in the midfield, the explosive pace of Zorko, the outside class of McCluggage. Do we need to go on how good this team is, apart from one thing? Melbourne play finals football. These blokes play roster game football. And mm. that's that's the only analysis required for this game because this is not about talent. They're probably man for man, possibly the most talented on-paper team in the competition. Mm. They are a very, very big chance to bail out once again without... Um, uh, without signing the card at the end of the game. Yeah, signing the card. Yeah, I was going to say troubling the scorers. Was oh, well, yeah. <laughs> looking for the right metaphor yeah. there. But either way, uh, they are in heaps of trouble. And Melbourne, in contrast, uh, looking a very, very, very big threat uh, once again. So that was Friday night footy. Uh, five games on the Saturday. Let's turn our attention to them. First game on the Saturday agenda in Canberra. Marnie Oval saw GWS hosting Fremantle. GWS, of course, nothing to play for. Freo, plenty to play for. And uh, tough battle this and pretty entertaining game. But in the end, Fremantle prevailed by 20 points, 13-11, 89, defeating the Giants 10-9-69. The goal kickers, three to Michael Walters. Uh, in his 200th game, played really well for the Dockers. Two to O'Driscoll, two to Brayshaw, singles the rest for the Giants. Three to Hogan, two to Hopper, singles the rest. Well, uh, they were in trouble uh, at one stage. Well, one stage, quite late into this game. In fact, midway through the second quarter, the Dockers trailed by 31 points after the Giants had kicked seven of the first nine goals. But Freo responded. They kicked the next five in a row and in, indeed ended up kicking 11 of the last 14 goals. So uh, a tale, a game of two halves, no doubt about it. Walters, as I said, terrific in his 200th with three goals. Caleb Sarong, really good player, isn't he? 32 disposals. He had 11 clearances, 15 contested possessions. Will Brody been a great pickup for Frio. He had 30 disposals, uh, both of them terrific. In midfield, uh, don't get the impression it was all one-way traffic, though, despite that uh, 20-point margin in the end. Lockie Ash, in fact, could have got the Giants 10 points up with 12 minutes left on the clock, but missed a bit of a sitter from close range. And from there, Frio uh, sunk the nails into the coffin. Walters uh, put through a clutch goal after a, uh, a bomb from Jordan Clark had restored Frio's lead. Uh, for the Giants, Sam Taylor, just a terrific game in defence. I'll let Robert expand on that one because he was just fantastic. A uh, few other things to talk about, but uh, how did you see this one, Rob? 
I gave both teams a terrific tick for this. Um, yeah, hard for GWS, the last game for Mark McVeigh. Uh, handling himself pretty well. The, the club's been good because they've put it on the table. We're going to interview for coaches. You keep going and do the job. Um, he's done a pretty good job for them, and um, he, he'd be right in the mix together with Adam Uze, but that's something we can talk about in news. This was a good, strong contest from GWS. As you said, Rowan, two opportunities to nail this game. Right at the end with um, 12 minutes left and also early in the game, significant... Uh, a lead of 31 points folks so this is a team that's going to go into the finals in a couple of weeks time um um not with question marks but they wouldn't want to be 31 points down in the first week of the finals and um you spoke about sam taylor jesus an interesting race like gws is up there is in the center of the western suburbs uh if he's playing for Collingwood, Carlton, Essendon, Richmond, something like that. He's a standout fullback for all Australian. He's had 12 marks, nine intercepts, and actually took probably an underdone, let's say this, Nat Fife to the cleaners in the fullback, full forward role. 20 disposals, and uh, I, I reckon he's a super chance for all Australian selection, isn't he? He's just got great ability to to read the play. Uh, we, we should talk about Fife because... We've talked about him being cream on the cake for Freo this year, but I think it's become increasingly clear that if they are to do anything seriously in the finals, Fife has got to be part of that equation. But uh, it didn't look great, did he? Um, only his seventh game this season, nine disposals, kicked one point, and just looked a bit sluggish, didn't he? And, you know, last, uh, lack of match conditioning. I mean, are you confident? He can, you know, we've got two weeks now Great before question. the first final. Can he sort of find enough? Well, he's not going to find game fitness, is he? But, you know, can he find enough touch and enough, uh, enough, you know, sort of aerobic capacity to leave some sort of imprint on this final series? Sort of sacrilegious com comment I'm going to make, but um, they have, Rowan. Oh, this is a fact, folks. It's not make-believe. They have played brilliant football without him. Hmm. Yeah. Balance. So as you and I have said, and the majority of people, he should be the icing on the cake. They've tried full forward. Uh, he's had his moments. Remember that game where he had four, it was in Melbourne, he had four disposals in the first half and looked back, went in the middle and had influence. I think that's the key to him. Yeah. We're in a bit of trouble in the centre square. Go there. Next time, come off the bench. We're not scoring from inside 50s. Throw him up forward. I think he's become Mr. Fix-It. Mm. Yeah, and look, they've got other selection issues too. I mean, they've got to, I mean, they're good ones, but they've got to get Taberner and uh, Lobb back into that forward setup. So they come back. Does that then make it more problematic what to do with Fife? Does having Fife in that forward setup actually unsettle it and make it harder for Taberner and Lobb? Well, Tabernacle and Lobb, first and foremost, Ron, will be picked before Fife in those roles. Yeah. All right. So, so, so yeah, that, so that where answers do they, your. I don't know. Where do they pick him? He's not going to go in. Is he going to replace uh, Brayshaw, Mundy, Sarong in, in the guts? No. I, I would think he will be start, staying uh, maybe a wing or definitely an interchange bench. Um, what I want to say, though, Ron, um, a big tick. Look, they went over there. They held the opposition on their home deck 
to 10 goals, nine, right? They gave them a 31 point start. They did it without Tabena. They did it without Lobb and without the influence of Fife. Uh, They found a terrific young player off halfback in Hayden Young. Um, And so I gave them a big tick. This was really professional. And you know what the most pleasing thing about it will be? They get on the team bus. They get on the direct flight, Sydney to Perth. They didn't have one injury, Rowan. Yeah. um, Yeah, well, they have something ahead of them at least. Uh, For GWS, it's all about the end of season trip, if uh, indeed they are having one. Six wins they finish with for the season, which is uh, equal their lowest win tally since just their third season back in 2014. So uh, whoever ends up coaching the Giants uh, has a bit of work to do. Frio, like other finalists, gets a week off to freshen up and then hits September. All right, uh, let's talk about the next game on Saturday afternoon. Well, North Melbourne on an emotional high after the uh, huge news that Alistair Clarkson is coming home as the Roos coach for the next five years. Massive day at Arden Street on Friday when that was announced. Uh, Could that give them a big lift for their game against Gold Coast? (laughs) Well, yeah, I shouldn't laugh, but the answer is an emphatic no uh, because Gold Coast uh, smashed them once again. Gold Coast winning this game by uh, 67 points. The final scores, the Suns 16, 18, 114, defeating North Melbourne 6, 11, 47. Uh, the goal kickers for the Suns, 6 to Alex Sexton, 2 to Davies, 2 to Roses. Singles the rest, all single goal kickers for the Roos. Uh, well, you know, with all due respect to either side, this was pretty much a training drill. Very little pressure exerted in this game. Both sides able to, uh, you know, sort of do as they please in terms of uh, with the ball. Didn't mean they didn't make plenty of mistakes. Both struggled to make any sort of impact in, uh, in uh, their forward setups and uh, kept turning it over with that last kick inside 50. Uh, the Roos had moments where they dominated play early after half time, for example, but couldn't capitalise, kick points when they could have kicked goals. And after that little window after half time, Gold Coast completely took charge. Um, Alex Davies. Uh, looking promising for the future. He was pretty impressive across half forward. Sexton and maybe your child, uh, a handful for the Ruse in attack. But uh, yeah, pretty much glorified circle work, I thought, this one, Robert. Uh, but uh, the Suns have had a pretty decent season. In fact, probably their best season in the AFL, at least got to finish off with a win, which I think their efforts probably deserved. What'd you make of this one? Um Extremely disappointed in North with yeah. the coach sitting in the stand. We we thought um, this is going to go uh, one of two ways. If Clarkson goes to Essendon, there would be a deflation of the North Melbourne Football Club, and that would it, it, it looked to me as though Clarkson was at Essendon, Rowan. Yeah. We, yeah. We, no, I'm serious. I thought that would give them a huge boost. Yeah, you know they still kept Taron Thomas in the reserves. Um, you know, they had 72 inside 50s kicked against them. 
who's against a side that's just a good average side, right? Yeah. Let's ma- let's make it. Um, but one of the things that we thought, well, while we picked the Suns, was their motivation. And I've, I've just said why North should have been motivated. They wanted to get to double figures, and they proved it. They were desperate to finish off the year with the double figures win. Does that that matches their best ever? Correct. Their uh, previous best, 2014, also recorded 10 wins. That was uh, with Gary Ablett in tow, of course. I think their percentage is a fair bit better this time. Go on. Yeah, and um, look, they were terrific at the clearances, which has been their bread and butter all year. They won the centre clearances 16-6, 44-26 general clearances. They've based their game on that, plus the contested football their marks inside 50 were just a domination. Would have been a lot more had it not been for Mackay. 16-6 uh, marks inside 50. And well done to Sexton. He's always had the capacity to do the exciting. And mm. um, he has really good goal sense. Uh, with Rankin not being there, he had an opportunity. Is mm. it too late? Would he be a type of player that would be on the trade table? Maybe not now. Well, they'll have to keep him while they wait to see if Rankin uh, uh, stays at the club. North's problem, uh, hang on, first things first, Clarkson hasn't got a blank canvas to work with because there are bits of paint splattered all over this team, right? Mm. But I tell you what, what for the, about the 15th week in a row, best players, Davies Uniac, yeah. Simpkin, Mackay. Yeah. So... Yeah. There, there is a, a depth issue, a consistency issue. He must get the best out of Horn Francis. Uh, not must. He will get the best out of Horn Francis. He will get the best out of um, Taron Thomas, the Tassie boy, and he will put a line through a few of these players, periphery players that are not list cloggers, that's disrespectful, but aren't performing at the level that Alistair would want. The the upside though, I guess, is that those three, Davies, Uniac, Simkin and Mackay, are young. You know, and, and Simkin a bona fide leader, but he's still a young player. Better than if the three best week in, week out were, you know, Cunnington, um, McDonald. Gee, they haven't got many older players really. And, and Zebel. And Zebel. And, and Zebel, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rowan, you're right. We'd be yeah. saying, Oh, look at this. Yeah. Where's the young players? Cunnington yeah. three votes, Zebel two. And Goldstein won. Where's this club going? Well, it's a great point you make. Unfortunately, Larky was held to one goal. Zerha only kicked a couple of points. So um, there's another couple. There there is a core there of emerging talent. Yeah. Uh, Just on Gold Coast too, uh, one thing they would have to be really excited about is the return Next year of Ben King, of course, missed the whole season uh, with a, after having to have a knee reconstruction. But gee, you talk about a forward line with three, you know, goal kicking key targets in King, Chole, and Casbolt. A guy, a medium sizer like Sexton, who's capable of kicking a bag. Exciting small forwards like Roses and Jeffrey, who I thought really added something until. He got injured and his season was prematurely keep, finished. Keep Rankin. That's and, going and, to be, yeah. Yeah, keep, keep Rankin. And that's a really talented collection of uh, of forwards. Um, so, you know, plenty for Stewie Jew and co to be excited about over the off-season. I just checked out that percentage. It is the best percentage. They've had 99.1 2014. Their percentage was 93.7. So this is officially 
Gold Coast best season in AFL company. And uh, let's hope they can build on that next year. North Melbourne, well, uh, they're um, it's you know a second consecutive wooden spoon for them, but uh, certainly as far as the coaching goes, plenty to be buoyed about. Over the off-season, let's see what they do with the draft and at the trade table. All right, they were the two Saturday afternoon games. Time to talk about Saturday Twilight. Well, we all knew it was going to be a belting. We predicted a belting and uh, no surprise, it was a belting. And uh, that is Geelong. In fact, what is the margin here? 72... Uh, 78, 85, 85 points. Uh, I tipped 80, so I wasn't far off the mark. You were around the 70, I think. And we're talking about Geelong's massive win over West Coast at GMHBA Stadium. The final scores Geelong 19 17, 131 to West Coast 7 4 46. The Cats' 13th win in a row, and they finish the home and away season on top of the ladder, two games clear of their nearest rival. The goal kickers, four to Tom Hawkins, four to Tyson Stingle. He actually didn't leave it at three. I was thinking as he was running into his fourth goal, he might handball it off just so he could stay on three. Uh, Two to Guthrie, two to Rowan, two to Selwood and singles the rest. And for West Coast, three to Cripps and two to Darling. Uh, A couple of injury concerns uh, for the Cats. Collar Jasney, concussion. Uh, Was got a week to get over that. Cam Guthrie's shoulder. They did say it was precautionary. Um, And, of course, they've got a couple of weeks now to try to get Jeremy Cameron back into the mix. Menegola also replaced in the selected side by Jonathan Segler, who uh, actually bobbed up and played really, really well in the ruck. Of course, a big milestone game for Paddy Dangerfield. What a champion he's been. Played his 300th game and a solid game. Not spectacular from Paddy, but uh, he's been wonderful for two clubs, Adelaide and the Cats. He finished with 22 disposals. Isaac Smith, very good, 23 and kicked a goal. I mentioned Segler, 24 disposals as a Ruckman and 10 clearances. Mark Blitzarves, 25 disposals, 16 hitouts. Gee, the ruck thing's a real issue for them, isn't it? Uh, I'll come back to that. But your thoughts on this game? No, don't come back to it. It's All right. critical. You know, okay. they're going to be playing finals in two weeks, Ron. Yep. Who's going to? Who's going to? Uh, who's going to open the batting? Who's well, going to be looking across the centre circle? Segler or Stanley? Or, or um, well, not or, but I mean, Blitzarves. Well, he a, won't ruck, Rowan. He'll do a run with job. He'll yeah. he'll play on the wing. He'll play. He, he's extraordinary, versatile. That that's a great. Geez, they do it well. I, 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 singing the praises, manage Sam Menegola so they could get some minutes. They would have just hoped they got some minutes into Segler, yeah. so that, and with the greatest respect, gave him a run before the finals. Yeah, it's probably he's 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 nearly come out with best on ground honours. It, it's and, ama- and, it's amazing yeah. how many years now that the, the, this ruck thing has been an issue, and sometimes it's really set them back. I mean, two thousand and uh, was it nineteen when they lost that qualifying final to Collingwood just after not picking Stanley and getting hammered by Brody Grundy in the ruck. I guess the difference this time is then, you know, you had 
Stanley, is he up to it? This time you've got two pretty good candidates to take that number one ruck berth. Who would you go with? Oh, I'd go with Stanley, yeah. I think. Um, but you're actually right. Um, if push comes to shove, they play the mobile ruckman too, Rowan. So they've yeah. got all that. But um, it, it, I've got some homework for you during the week. How many games has Stengel kicked three goals in? I know you laugh at it, but what a re- don't don't look, don't worry about it. But what a remarkable season he's had. And um, look, it was West Coast Eagles. They didn't miss Jeremy Cameron. They were able to improvise. They gave, uh, you know, we've spoken about radical. Well, we haven't spoken about radical. Uh, Guthrie will be fine. Uh, they even wanted to just be a bit conservative with the vastly improved. Atkins as a sub just there they didn't realize <laughs> that he'd be on to play a full game run when they were probably hoping he was just sitting there well I like to get my homework done pretty promptly Robert and oh. I have an answer for you already yeah. uh, eight times Stengel's oh. kicked three goals uh, oh, that was wow. the second time he's kicked four goals in a game so uh and uh, for the season now, uh, how many goals in total? Just scampering here. He has kicked uh, 46 goals. Uh, 46. He is the recruit of the year for mine. No question from another, okay, a senior recruit from another club. Yeah. Um, just well, being hey, Ron, We're going to do a, 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 a season in review for the sides that missed the finals. Yep. So we'll obviously go into the West Coast Eagles a little bit more forensically uh, on Wednesday morning. Yeah. But I'm not sure what we can take out of this game at the moment. Kelly showed a bit of form against his side. Uh, this, unfortunately, was a smashing. Uh, we're going to have to look at the effects of COVID, the effects of injury. And as you quite rightly put out, the effects of lack of motivation at times yeah. That you pointed out, despite the fact getting senior players back into the side, well done to Cripps, 200 games, and he's been a very, very consistent goal kicker for them. But apart from that, for me, the interest with Geelong on the eve of the finals, how the side has balanced their, their managed their team, balanced their positioning, uh, improved their flexibility, and um, have a now real chance of taking down either Melbourne, because Melbourne will throw the kitchen sink at them, and, of course, our little dark horse run for the premiership is uh, the Sydney Swans. But we'll talk about that in the next few weeks, folks. Yeah, well, I, I think West Coast, uh, I think the COVID stuff and the injuries became too much of a crutch for them. Right. And, uh, and, and they just had this habit, and it happened in this game as well. They sort of hung in there for a while. And then Geelong got a few goals in a row and the heads just completely dropped. So, you know, at quarter time, they're still in it. Um, by half time, they're out of it. Four goals to 12, you know. Uh, and and then just, it's a... They have turned it up, Rowan. Yeah. Uh, too easily they at have. times. And uh, we've said before, they've got some massive questions to answer about their list. But as Robert told you, we will be reviewing the seasons of all 10 teams that didn't make the finals over our next couple of episodes. So, uh, Eagles fans, uh, look out for your club's, uh, what's the word? I was going to say eulogy. 
but uh, tail of a tape for your club and what they need to do next year. All right, massive win for the Cats. They have uh, big fish to fry over the next month. Uh, let's talk about Saturday night. Essendon Richmond met at the MCG Saturday evening. Uh, emotional occasion for the Bombers with uh, Michael Hurley, ageing warrior who's had shocking uh, injury, illness issues over the last couple of years, coming back to make a farewell appearance. Uh, Richmond, of course, will play finals again and increasingly building an ominous look about them heading into another finals campaign. Uh, their finals spot, though, assured, uh, would that mean they took the foot off the throat? Well, not really. They doubled down, if anything, and in the end, this was a thumping 66-point victory. Uh, the final scores, Richmond 21-15, 141, smashing the Bombers 11-9-75. The goal kickers, Tom Lynch 5, Noah Cumberland 3, Shane Edwards 3, singles the rest. Big um, list of goal kickers for them. In fact, 13 individual goal kickers. Fair effort. And for the Bombers, three to right, two to D'Ambrosio, singles, the rest. Uh, the worry for the uh, Tigers, a groin tweak to Tom Lynch. Might not be that bad, but Andy's got a week to get over it. So not panic stations yet, but clearly he's a pivotal player in their premiership uh, bid. Richmond's 13th straight win over Essendon, absolutely dominating the Bombers. It was only 19 points at half time. Essendon hanging in there at seven goals to 10. But uh, the key period of this game where the Tigers just smashed Essendon and like West Coast, Robert, heads dropped. Start of that third term, the Tigers piled on 6-1 to no score to then lead by 56 points. And in those 17 minutes, here's the significant stat, inside 50 count, 13-1. to so just one-way traffic after halftime. Tigers, again, looking very damaging. What do you reckon about this one? You can imagine the pressure that uh, the second or third youngest side in the competition would have been under for many reasons. Uh, an absolute desire to see My Michael Hurley, a wonderful player, 194 games uh, for the SM Football Club, go out in a high. I thought um, I was wrong, but, you know, we're prepared to put our hands up, I just thought, what would the Tigers do with their 33-year-olds, Rowan? Well, that was answered to all of us very emphatically. We're going to keep our form going. Prestia, oh, not 33. Kocha was out there. Rewalt was out there. Tarrant was out there. Shane Edwards was out there. And it was um, a pretty resilient performance by Essendon early. But once again, I guess the air of despondency seeped down into the Melbourne cricket ground when the Tigers got on top. And unfortunately, the Essendon team fell away against a real quality side. As you said, 14 goal kickers, an even spread of talent. Um, did Essendon take their opportunities to experiment a little bit? Well, Reid going forward's an experiment, but, you know, he's a... He's going to, they gave him number 31 because he's going to be a 10-year fullback. So I think they missed a beat with um, Reed having a crack at, uh, at Lynch and having, you know, just playing on Lynch all day, uh, winning or not here or there. Uh, 
but it would have been difficulty for him because um, the Bombers have conceded 20 marks inside 50. And I saw you have a debate with a gentleman. It was a reasonable debate about team defence. And the person mm. said, oh, well, our defence is OK. No, no, we're not talking about defence. We're talking about defence that starts in the midfield or defence that starts. And if I've got a criticism or an observation about Ben Rutten, and I have publicly supported him this morning, I'm going to, I want to back Ben Rutten. I want to follow the trend of Hardwick and Goodwin that were basically out the door until Review saw that they needed support in the form of Balm and Mark Williams and a new CEO and a new footy manager. So if um, that happens, you know, I would be happy to see Ben Rutten and, and, and to review this role 12 months down the track. It's not shared by the majority of people, of course. Yeah, I don't think it's beyond the realms he can coach on. But anyway, uh, anyway. As, as we record this, it has been determined. I'm going to concentrate on Richmond because they still Go. have a future this season. I, I think they are a massive flag chance, even from really? the bottom half wow. of the eight. Yeah, well, and, and it's that potency. They they've got a they're they've got a better attacking uh, look about them even than their other premiership years, I think. This is you know, 141 points, fourth game in a row they've topped 100 after having done it once only in the previous, I think, seven games. So um, they're explosive. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, a huge plus for them. They've got that pressure back and the frenetic forward handball and the swarm of, of numbers around the contest. All those trademarks of those really successful Richmond campaigns and as you said before talking about finals football it's a finals brand of footy i reckon it really it, mm. it speaks to september and i reckon it gives them a big chance um you just a last one on michael hurley great moment there where he kicked that goal in the last quarter and was mobbed not only by Essendon players <laughs> by but by the opposition <laughs> players it was just fantastic when do you see that and uh, yeah he's highly Oh, look, he's just been a champion person and unfortunately uh, for circumstances we've talked about for decades. Rowan, um, the likes of uh, great clubmen like Zaharakis and Hurley have failed to uh, taste any form of success uh, at the Essendon Football Club. That's for another day. Um, 15 goals in six games to Noah Cumberland, Rowan. Mm, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, there's an old bloke that they that might limp to the line in finals called D Martin. Yeah. What are you gonna What are you gonna do with him, Rowan? Well, it's not bad to have a triple oh. Norm Smith medal winner <laughs> up his sleeve for the biggest game of the year. Well, this is exactly what I'm saying. They're a massive chance, and and if you're worried, uh, well, you know, if you're worried about them coming from the bottom half of the eight, don't be for a number of reasons. I've I've written a piece on this again. My annual get rid of the pre-finals buy. Yeah. campaign because it diminishes the advantages of the top four so they'll be rested enough they've got martin up their sleeve and don't forget the last flag they won they effectively came from the bottom half of the four because they uh, eight because they lost their qualifying final and had to play every week of the finals did it in style so and you uh, know what's irrelevant to them what travel yes Yes. Um, no, they're, they're, they're very good on the road as well. So uh, look out. I think Richmond's still got plenty of life left in them. All right. Uh, one game left on Saturday, and it was a big... I'm not going to sing that song by the Johnnies. It was a big showdown. 
Always a big game when Adelaide and Port Adelaide meet. And uh, this one, the added spice of Port champion Robbie Gray's final game of footy. And Port responded very well to that with a thumping 56-point win over their bitter local rival. The final scores, Port Adelaide 16-15, 111, defeating Adelaide 7-13, 55. The goals, four to Marshall. Two to Gray, two to Dersma, two to McEntee and singles the rest. Three to Fogarty for the Crows and singles the rest. Well, uh, the Crows uh, certainly made a game of it for a half. Plenty of pressure on, as was always the case in these games, but uh, really opened up things with a, a dominant third quarter in which they kicked four six. Could have been a lot more to just one goal by the Crows and then really opened up in the final term with seven goals slammed on to the Crows' measly couple. Connor Rosie, brilliant for the power. He won the showdown medal, ending up with 34 disposals, which included 11 inside 50s. Ollie Wines, terrific for the power with 34 touches. Carl Amon, very good, 31 uh, as the... Port Adelaide machine took over in that second half. Uh, plenty more good players for them, but uh, I'll let you have a crack at this one. I think it was... Um, just go back, Rowan. They've met budget, haven't they? According to us, uh, the Adelaide Crows, didn't they? Yes, yeah. They'd, so they've met budget. Uh, oh, no, no, actually. Didn't I think they? We said, I think we said nine wins. <laughs> I think we nine, said what nine they get? Win, uh, eight wins. And they had seven... Oh, well, they have. They've filed. And they failed on the big stage, which was against Port Adelaide. So to me, two very disappointing sides. This Port Adelaide side, like you say, we're going to do a review of the sides. How do you do one on Port Adelaide with the likes of Rosie, Butters, Drew, Dersma, Pal Pepper? You know, Finlayson's been a revelation. Their back line has um, held up well. Oaks had a good year. Wines has had a good year. So... Well, it's all all about all about the start of their season. They they lost it's their ex- first five games, and it's extraordinary. Um, uh, they would be they're looking they're the teams one of the teams that missed the eight, right? So, um, they'd be the most they're looking around at each other today, having a bit of a drink or a barbecue or something, saying, "Geez, we're better than this." They um, they've found some players. They got the best out of Pal Pepper. Rosie really took it to another level this year. I know Dersmer and Butters have been in and out of the side with injury. And, of course, Marshall Rowan. Again, another four goals. Um, That's a good question for you. I should have done the Tyson Stengel one with you. How many times has Marshall kicked four? I reckon he's the master of four. But don't, don't, don't. Go on. Just keep going. I'm going to look it up. Keep going. They outworked and outran um, Adelaide. They had 236 contested possessions to 129, which just shows an appetite to run, spread and work. So I think it was pretty disappointed. Usual suspects for, for Adelaide. Um, I'm, I'm, we spoke about this last week about the Brownlow betting with teams that uh, are down the bottom half of the ladder. Really intrigued about Rory Laird's year. He's had a superb year. Um, and Port Adelaide, well, the season that could have been. Disappointing, but with a lot of positives. It'll be very interesting. Do they go after Ruckman? I know they've got Lysette, um, 
Finmason, I don't know whether they fluked it, Rowan, or they. Uh, this was by design. Charlie Dixon's now in the veteran stage. They've got Dixon, they've got Marshall, and they've got Georgiades up front. Gray will go, but they've got a dearth of really talented, medium-sized forwards that can kick goals. So their forward line's intact, and I just want to be very interested whether they think, okay, Jeremy Finlayson, you become a consistent AFL player. We're going to keep going with that next year. All right, uh, Adelaide, uh, probably their best player was in the ruck. Speaking of that, Riley O'Brien, very good. He had 50 hit-outs and yeah, seven Paul, clearances. Paul had given up on the hit-outs. Yeah. You know. um, Fogarty, uh, really good up forward. He's been a, a massive plus for the Crows this year, you'd have to say. Uh, really like Sam Berry too. Uh, I reckon he, he has a real crack and pretty hard at it and uh, plenty of future there. So, um, yeah, look, I... Under, under budget, but I think Adelaide is okay. Uh, I, I don't think it's been a terrible season by them. But look, I mean, superficially, you look at both, you'd have to be disappointed with both, particularly Port, of course, after having played in two consecutive uh, preliminary finals. Um, how will they respond to that? Interesting to see. And how the coach will respond to that? Interesting to see what happens with the Ken Hinckley situation as well uh so that was another showdown uh overall i think uh the power now ahead i think uh, i might be wrong here but i think it might be 27 25 now uh it's oh, always good been recall if you've nailed that off the top of your head yeah and wow. uh well morris um morrison i've got scott morrison on my brain oh, you a, have too it's <laughs> a bad thing to have todd marshall <laughs> Um, in fact, has only kicked uh, four goals in a game this year on three occasions, but he has kicked yeah. five in a game twice. So he's pretty good on the four. That's not bad. Not and bad. Fives. And uh, no, he's certainly one of the players that helped Port turn the year around when, uh, gee, I mean, disappointing. But it, it was looking at one stage like it was going to be a bit worse than disappointing at zero and five. So from that point, they actually came back and, and did okay. All right, that was Saturday night. And, uh, well, that left the final day of the home and away season. Massive stakes, huge build-up, three games, all with consequences for the ladder and for the top eight. Uh, let's have a look at what happened. A dramatic final day of the 2022 home and away season kicked off down in Launceston with Hawthorne playing the Western Bulldogs. The Bulldogs needing to win simply to give themselves a chance of playing finals. That they did, but uh, not without one hell of a struggle. It was tough conditions down there, as is often the case. And they had to work very hard to secure victory in the end, winning by 23 points over a game, Hawthorne. The final scores, Western Bulldogs 12-15-87, defeating the Hawks 10-4-64. The goal kickers, three to Norton, three to Rourke Smith, two to Darcy. Very impressive performance from the highly touted draftee and singles the rest. For the Hawks, four to Jack Gunston, two to big boy Ben McAvoy in his final AFL game, two to Dylan Moore, singles the rest. Well, it was the Hawks who uh, got the jump here, Rob. 
the Bulldogs coming back with six goals to four in a, a pretty free-flowing and, and uh, open scoring contest, which was good to watch. Boy, it tightened up after half time though. So 16 goals kicked in this game in the first half and just six goals kicked in the second half. One goal each. Uh, the Western Bulldogs almost managing to kick themselves out of this. They dominated play in the third quarter for a return of one goal eight. Uh, and then finally hitting the target to an extent in the last term with 3-3, three, three, uh, which saw them uh, put themselves into the eight and then have to wait nervously on the Collingwood-Carlton game, which we'll obviously talk about soon. But um, a lesson, handed a lesson really in efficiency by their opponent. Um, at half time, they just about doubled the Hawks for inside 50s. I think it was 22 to 40. Uh, and the upshot of that was they only led by three points. And then to make things even worse, uh, at the start of the third term, um, they racked up the inside 50s. I think they had eight inside 50s for two behinds at one stage, and the Hawks went in once for one goal. So at that stage, you're thinking, are they going to blow this? But uh, managed to hit the target in the end, um, getting a bit of breathing space with late goals to Lockie Hunter and Rourke Smith. Uh, we'll be glad to get away with the points, Rob. <clears throat> My word, they would. And uh, probably the most important three goals, three last quarter uh, for the Dogs for a long, long time since maybe they won the Premiership. Because anything less than that, Ryan, and we'll talk about the Carlton game, I think it was 0.6 the difference. So uh, critical game, unlikely hero, uh, some discussion amongst the Western Bulldog supporters. Uh, Rourke Smith, you know, his selection. Uh, he's kicked three goals. He's been a, a, a terrific uh, contributor in this game. But you're right. It, it, I found it a very strange game. Mm. You know, uh, Dogs won the clearances 49 to 27. Yeah. They won the centre clearances 17 to 6. They had 24 tackles inside 50. And an amazing stat, 71 inside 50s to 39. And this game wasn't decided till halfway through the last quarter. So you actually wonder uh, whether that's a good... It's not a great sign to go in the final. It was overuse. Hawthorne always kept themselves in the game, a credit to them. They had a go. I know they're playing for McAvoy, last game down in Tassie for their supporters down in Tasmania, but uh, they weren't going away. So uh, it's a very, as you saw on the news uh, this evening, the elation of the Bulldogs uh, players at a club function when um, when they got over the line. Well, uh, some good signs, though. Um, Josh Dunkley, uh, I thought, really good for the Doggies. Uh, Caleb Daniel, really impressive for them as well. What about uh, what do you think of Josh Bruce in defence? Do you think that helps them? Well, it may. Um, I'm going to give it a tick because he's not frightened to change this round. Uh, he, was, he was very, very low in confidence, I believe. We've spoken about this. I thought his agility... So putting him behind the ball, uh, very difficult to him, for him to play in, in with his agility. I didn't think he had power in his leg, but to put him behind the ball, facing the game so he goes forward, is uh, a, a very good and timely selection to have a look at that. I reckon it's a good selection, given the fact they're going to be playing for... It just gives him another option. Um, 
and down that end of the ground. Very experienced, so I don't mind it, Rowan. And also you've got the fact that Darcy can go forward and kick goals. I was just about to say, talking about options, they're not afraid to sort of change their look or their lineup at an important stage of a season. And, you know, it's funny for a guy who's played, what, three games, but I think Darcy could actually have some impact in finals. You know, uh, like your mate, the Pakistani number three, Jamara Ulhagen. Teaming um, up with him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It never gets old. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they are capable, uh, even guys with not much experience, of having an impact. In a way, like Cody Waitman was doing at the back end of last season. You know, they become key players very uh, very quickly. But I, I thought Darcy was really impressive. A couple of um, clunked a, f- a few marks, I think about half a dozen marks, and kicked a couple of goals. 13 disposals, but um, really good signs there. And if they can play him up forward, yeah, you can play Josh Bruce in defence. Can he wind the clock back and do a Tom Boyd? Oh, yes. Well, you know, (laughs) a bit of water to go under the bridge there. No, we'll do our selections on uh, Wednesday. but uh... No, but I mean, we have seen the Bulldogs turn their situation around quickly. In short term, yeah. Yeah, They can get on a roll. Um, Let's talk about Hawthorne just quickly, end of a season. For them, uh, we were pretty bullish about them. Uh, eight wins for the year they've ended up with, but been pretty consistently competitive. I'm not disappointed with them. I, I think their future is pretty bright, and they've continued to roll out good young players into this side, and we saw another couple today, didn't we? And, and Jack Saunders in particular, yeah. their eighth debutante of this season. Eight. That's a considerable number. Um, and think about some of the young guys who aren't playing at the moment, like Jaff. Uh, they, they, I reckon the Hawks' future looks particularly bright and Sam Mitchell's first season as coach, I think, has been a success. A tick for me. What do you reckon? Um, look, we'll do it on Wednesday, but yeah. I, I just think they lost a couple of real bad losses. Yeah, they I think did. they could have been a 9 or 10 team, but you're going to give them a tick because if you're going to win eight games and finish in their latter position, um, so what? how many games was it? Sorry. Eight. Oh, everyone. Yeah, eight. Um, the point you make, finish there, but have the eight debutantes. So, mm. yeah, it's a tick, but uh, uh, on on points gained, I think they're one or two short, but but uh, they've got credits in the bank for playing those eight debutantes, Rowan. So we'll, uh, we'll just give them a, a low pass, you know, C minus. And uh, final word for uh, Ben McAvoy, a, yep. a real warrior uh, in, in the uh, real war horse in the ruck, uh, in fact, I'd, I'd put him certainly very close to Joel Selwood as the most bandaged player in <laughs> AFL history. He's often got the old head head bandage, uh, big boy McAvoy. He looks like he could have played rugby with that sort of head, but uh, he's been a warrior and not only first at St Kilda, but then transferring very successfully to the Hawks and being part of uh, two flags. Yeah, it? yeah. The last two and, flags. and when they were in strife, mate, remember when he went back to centre-half back mm-hmm. and held the fort there for a while? We know about his ruck work. And his forward play is not to be underestimated. A very good AFL player. Very good uh, AFL player and a terrific career. So well done to Ben McAvoy. And, uh, gee, if we picked a retiree's team, you know, of the old fellas, I reckon they'll give half the competition a run for their money, wouldn't they? Hey, speaking speaking about old fellas, I was talking to my son just before about yeah. uh, I interviewed Ben McAvoy's parents up in the stands before he made his AFL debut, 
I interviewed Steele Sidebottom out in the ground after he'd kicked 10 goals in the under-18s grand Did you, final. That game, I remember drafted. that. Yeah, yeah. End, ended 2008. At fair income, it feels like five minutes ago. <laughs> so that's a sure sign you're getting old when the passage of time seems to go even more quickly. Anyway, I digress. Uh, good wind of the doggies. They are into another finals series. Let's see how far they can go. Uh, well, uh, 3.20 p.m., a massive, massive home and away game. I think you know what I'm talking about. Let's dissect it. Well, the build-up was huge, and often when that happens, you can be let down, but you couldn't possibly be let down by this. Collingwood and Carlton, MCG, biggest crowd at an AFL game since the 2019 Grand Final, 88,287 people and they saw an epic, epic game. Uh, Collingwood dominating early. Carlton held to just two goals in a half of football. The Pies, 19 points to the good. Carlton then responded with an eight-goal three third quarter to go to the final change, 24 points to the good. They maintained that advantage for the vast bulk of that last quarter. But Collingwood came with a rush. Well, anyway, we'll get to the detail, but let's read the scores first. Collingwood won the double chance. One point. And you can't help but feel there's a bit of karma there for all those grand final losses and other indignities the Blues have inflicted on them over the journey. Well, the Pies won this one. 11-9-75. The more accurate team and approved decisive as Carlton kicked a costly six behinds in the last quarter. Carlton finishing 10-14-74, defeat by a point. They miss out on the finals after having been in the eight all season. And uh, look, I know my allegiances are with Essendon, but I do genuinely feel their pain because I, I reckon they've had a, a terrific year. And on the on the bulk of uh, evidence, I think, deserved a spot in the finals. Not to be the goal kickers for the victors. Three to Ginevan, two to Elliott, two to Johnson, singles the rest. For the Blues, two to Charlie Kurnow, two to Mackay, two to Motlop, two to Chera. I'm going to throw this to you, Rob, but just before I do, here's how the last few minutes unfolded. Uh, Carlton were 18 points up when Charlie Kurnow kicked his final goal, 24 points up um, with uh, Motlop kicking his goal late in the third term. Uh, I'm looking at my notes here. A goal to Kurnow, a goal to Johnson, the start of Collingwood's comeback from 25 points down, 15 minutes left in the game at that stage. Mason Cox kicked another one. So it's back to 14 points, 11 minutes left. Uh, Carlton then started playing for time. Was it the right tactic? I'll ask you in a sec, Rob. Jamie Elliott takes a beautiful mark, converts. It's back to one point, the difference. Five minutes left. Uh, sorry, 11 points the difference. Bo McCreary uh, slots one from the boundary line. It just fell through. Back to five points the difference. Four minutes. 39 left on the clock. Collingwood attacks again, a two-on-one. Ginevan blocks very well. Elliott into space, on the run, and the man who did it against Essendon did it again. Slots one from a tight angle, on the run. 
a minute 42 left on the clock. Collingwood in front by a point. The Blues still had their chances. Um, uh, Durden, uh, I don't know what he was doing, Rob, but a nothing kick into the pocket. No target really to aim at. It's marked by Jeremy Howe. He clears the decks. Patrick Cripps tries to burst forward with the ball. He's caught holding the ball by Josh Dacos. Scott Pendlebury gets sent off for the blood rule. 34 seconds left. Um, a final kick into Collingwood's forward territory and the ball hovering around the uh, gap between the centre square and the 50-metre arc as the siren sounded to absolute pandemonium from the Collingwood fans. And they've done it again. So that record, 12 games this season in which Collingwood have been involved, decided by 11 points or less. Of those 12, they've won 11 of them. They are an incredible side in a finish. And like I said, heartbreak for the Blues, but uh, a terrific season by them. Uh, an incredible game, Rob. How'd you say it? Oh, incredible game. And I thought one of the stats you might come up with, Rowan, was Carlton's third quarter. Eight goals, something was their best third quarter against Collingwood since. Oh, uh, the 1970 grand final. Jezalinko, you beauty, the yeah. comeback. Yeah, right. so even it had a, a historical flavour to it. Um, take us anywhere you like with this game, Ron, from the initial tagging of uh, Pat, uh, Paddy Cripps by Maynard. They they put Maynard onto him for a hard edge tag. I thought Cripps was magnificent. He shouldered that team. He lifted them. Um, Chera, who came back into the side, their third quarter, together with Zach Williams, um, the often maligned young halfback flanker who has had a, a shocking interest industry and just got to the line i thought he's third quarter but you've got to hand it to carlton uh, uh, to collingwood aggressive ball movement all the time they believe that their ball movement will stand up they keep the ball in motion they keep it moving they get it in the hands of dacos get it in the hands of pendlebury where i thought look you mentioned carlton did they slow it down too early there was 11 minutes to go and it was the opposite to what they played in the third quarter. Now, it's got to be a plan, Rowan. It has to be mm. because it was a unified approach, 24 points up. It wasn't sort of tempo, keep the ball, but it was a no risk. And it was all all pocket, pocket. And the big blokes coming up marking. Like, Kernow and um, Mackay. Mackay kicked two goals each, Rowan. Mm. Now, if I told you before the game that between them they would take 18 marks, I would have said six and four. Yeah. They were well, big and they were powerful. Well, but, it, come, it comes back to conversion though, doesn't it? Kerno's yeah. kicked two five, Mackay's kicked two three. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, that could have been five two and three two. There's eight goals. They were up the ground four. a lot. And I thought when Carlton were going, uh, uh, their tempo game and their pressure and their run, and they kicked long. They did the old 1977 kick long to snake. Yeah. And it was a very simple and efficient. And it brought into play uh, the Motlops and the Durdens and the Oes and the Martins that brought them into play. I'll tell you what, they'll be uh, they'll be spewing when they look at the raw stats. I mean, they've won they've won the contested ball by 54. That is a massive amount. They've won the disposal count by 22. They've won the inside 50 count by 21. Wow, right. Clearances by 12. But, I mean, yeah, focus on that. But 
I'd also say that's a tribute to Collingwood. And you remember this isn't having a go at Nathan Buckley, but when Collingwood was sort of getting itself into trouble, they overpossessed the ball, something shocking. They have stripped that right back. And under Craig McRae, they're a hard-running, free-flowing or more free-flowing team that doesn't waste the footy. And there is exhibit A of that. They've had far less of it. They've barely won a stat except the one that really matters on the scoreboard. I don't think they froze Carlton. I think it was a plan. I don't, I, I, I'm not obviously in the coach's box uh, after playing exhilarating football. Uh, the Durden one, uh, the kid, okay, he's had a good year, a, a great early part of the year, quarter in the second half. So how far out was he, Rowan? 55, 60? I, oh, no, he's just, just about approaching the 50, probably 52 or 53. The thing I don't was, know what he was doing. Well, yeah, it, it, you look at it and the um, the view was from behind him on TV yeah. and there, there actually wasn't a target there. He was looking at Kurnow, but Kurnow was running back to the goal square with Jeremy Howe. So um, hard to oh. see what, what, what he had going through his head. But, and on um, the other side of the ground, uh, Sam Doherty did the same thing. Carlton were playing deep to the pockets. Now, I know why. If you get If you don't get it, you get another opportunity. Hmm. You get a boundary throwing, so yeah. you get might you might get two or three opportunities to score, but goodness me, um, a, a minute to go, a point down, long to the you just punch it through. They get a draw, yeah. and they're in a final. So I'm not going to be harsh on the kid because there was a thousand mistakes made in such a pressure game. Just but let me ask, yeah. just let me ask you this though, like why if the quick movement straight and direct to the two twin towers up forward works for you for 90% of the game. Why change it for the last 10 minutes of the game just because the, the scores are close? Um, why change know, it? Why I, change I, it? I don't know. I'm not in their coaching well, box. I'm just um, asking you. Why Why? Why would why did it Did they change? go slow against Melbourne? Did they, go, did they mm. close it up against Melbourne? So they've lost a game by what, Rowan? Minus one and minus five. Yeah, and well, they've lost the Melbourne game with yeah, you know, my, 11, eleven seconds left on the clock, and this you know, one what thirty a minute basically. a minute thirty when Elliot kicked that goal. So look, they're stiff, no doubt, and it'll it'll sting. Um, and uh, look, I you know I think in the long term, things are tracking pretty well. We should mention Adam Chera too. Um, oh, wow, what a uh, game! Yeah, terrific. Twenty-seven disposals, two goals. Um, yeah, we can see why they were so keen to get him. Uh, as for the Pies, well, not only have they made finals when some stupid among us uh, tipped them to win wooden spoons, uh, they go in as a top four team. What an incredible season they've had. And um, there'll be plenty of people tipping them to come unstuck in the finals. But, you know, they've been wrong all year. Why can't they continue to be wrong? It was an epic game, uh, an amazing finish to the home and away season, but still, there was one game of that home and away season left. The 198th game of the 2022 season. Let's have a chat about that one. Last game of the home and away season at Marvel Stadium, a Sunday twilight clash between St Kilda and Sydney. The Swans needing to defeat St Kilda by a pretty healthy margin in the order of about eight goals to regain second spot on the ladder and thus get two home finals. Uh, in the end, 
they struggled just to win the game and hang on even to a top four spot and probably pretty relieved to get there in the finish by just 14 points. The final score, Sydney, 13-10-88, defeating St Kilda, 11-8-74. Let's have a look at the details for that last game of the season and the goal kickers for the victors. We saw Hayward with three, two to McDonald, two to Heaney, two to Franklin, and singles the rest. For the Saints, just one multiple goal kicker, and that was Max King, who finally found his kicking boots in the last game of the season. He ended up with five goals straight, all singles for the rest uh, for the Saints. But um, in what was Dan Hanabry's last game of AFL footy, um, probably close to just about the best game he has played for his adopted club. He was pretty handy. Indeed, ended up with 30 disposals. Uh, James Rowbottom, pretty good for the Swans. Will Haywood, those three goals, uh, two of them were pretty much the two which ensured his side even came away with the points and did really look at one stage in the last quarter like St Kilda was actually going to roll right over the top of them and win the game. So like I said, fair bit of relief breathed by the Swans, who at one stage in the third term were 29 points up. And I thought, yep, they're going to do it. They're going to end up with second and an SCG final. Curiously though, Rob, and you know, this is probably a discussion for our previews, I don't yep. reckon they'll mind playing at the MCG, which is the assignment they now have instead of the SCG. That though is another discussion. Uh, not the sort of form you'd want to take into a final series, but most importantly, they got the job done and they now have the double chance. How do you see this one? And they get a week a week or 12 days or whatever it is, Rowan, to get Papley right, who ran into Buddy Franklin and got a little bit of concussion. Um, look, this game always looked like at arm's length, one of those games. Four goals, about four goals at half time, roughly the same at three-quarter time. But you always got the fact that uh, to St Kilda's credit, they weren't going to go away and they didn't look like they were going to go away. And 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 why this game was close, because St Kilda had the top five uh, possession players on the ground. You know, Hanbury 30, Ross 29, still 27, Long 27. He had an outstanding game, Long. He's a bit of an enigma, that bloke, where to play him, uh, sometimes discipline issues, uh, often dropped, well, not often dropped, several times a year he's dropped. He's also had 17 marks today. And Sinclair, of course, had a wonderful, consistent year, 27. Uh, had a full forward to kick five. They won the centre clearances 16 to six. And the inside 50s were about the same. So why shouldn't this be a close game? So I think the Saints, yep, I, I think it's possibly pie in the sky, you know, a percentage win, get in second at the first, you know, the first final at home. I think they'd be delighted, Ron. Uh, they won't hold, Melbourne won't hold any fears for them, the Melbourne cricket ground, because um, they've actually played some pretty good footy there this year. Well, they have. In fact, over the last couple of years, I, I tweeted a bit earlier, they've won six of their last nine at the MCG, the Swans, and the three mm. losses, none of them have been by any more than nine points. And uh, one of the victories, in fact, was against Melbourne their qualifying final opponent in, uh, mm. what was it, round 12, I think, this season. You know, I just want to talk quickly about the Saints because 
Um, you know, lovely scenes at the end of the game with Dan Hannabury and Paddy Ryder, who didn't play, but has announced his retirement being carried off. Uh, Sydney's Josh Kennedy, who's also retiring, one of the players helping chair Dan Hannabury off, of course, such a great player for the Swans. But I couldn't help but think, you know, right, well, Ryder did play some great footy for the Saints, but uh, had some durability problems later in the piece. But Hannabury just couldn't get on the park. And I was thinking, had he been able to suit up for them a lot more regularly, had he been able to combine with Ryder a lot more regularly, I think St Kilda, you know, their best is pretty good, isn't it? But they're at an interesting stage. I just I wonder how they approach this off-season. Do they think they're close enough and continue to, to build and look for the odd trade or do they start stripping it back now and getting rid of a few older types? It's a really interesting position they're in. How healthy do you think they are? They seem to be a, a, a big name club, don't they? You know, yep. whether that's the personalities in the roles down at their club, but um, they had a lot of injuries in the first half to, half of the year and they did a terrific job. I think they were eight and two. So their second half of the year been very disappointing. Um, Hanabry's an interesting one, Ron, because I think in the games that he's played, high 20s and now 30s, and clearly one of St Kilda's, uh, St Kilda's best players, if not best player on the ground in this game. He was relentless. They missed his running. Um, yes, it's been a bad signing. A five-year, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollar signing by uh, the then footy manager Simon Lethleen to get Hanbury across. But um, what could have been? But once again, um, you know, it's well. I'd rather, much rather, be in the Swans with this uh, tremendous group of young players heading into a final. They're going to be really, really exciting. But to answer your question, I'm not sure. Does anyone know what St Kilda's going to do? Will they continue the top up, the experienced trade? Will they get players in? Uh, what are they lacking, Rowan? Um, well, obviously, Ryder. Marshall was terrific today. Uh, they brought in Tom Campbell. They played two Ruckman today, Rowan, which is very interesting because basically they went up against Hickey uh, and a little bit of Reed. They also... And that's another point. They won the hitouts 45 to 25 using the two ruck combinations. I'm not sure whether that gives them the flexibility they need. Mm. Well, uh, some interesting questions for them to ponder over the trade period and over the summer. Uh, the Swans, well, they go into yet another finals campaign and uh, they'll be hitting this one with plenty of confidence and plenty of good form too. Seven wins in a row under their belts now. And in fact, they've won 10 of their last 12 games. So Ooh. very ominous indeed over the back half of the season. That was it. That was the end of round 23, the final home and away round of the season. Well played. Raise the bat. I don't, know you, I don't know who you're clapping us or the you, teams you. Or, our, or our audience. You <laughs> made it. You made it. <laughs> yeah. Well, still at the most important bit of the I season. know, but you know what I mean. After oh. the after the very annoying pre-finals buy, and you can read my thoughts on that on the Footyology website. Oh, yeah. uh, but fear not, because we're not going anywhere over the next week. We are going to do thorough reviews of the seasons of all those sides that didn't make the finals. So, Look out for that one. Um, thanks for listening. Hope your team is in the finals. But if they're not, 
make sure you stay tuned for our thorough analysis of what your team needs to do next year and uh, just how it tackled 2022. If you'd like to support us financially, and of course, we're grateful for any support you can muster, the ACAR supporter page is there in the show description and a link um, on any platform you listen to the Footyology podcast, or you can uh, help us out by becoming a Footyology patron. And I've seen a, a couple more people signing up over the last couple of days. So thank you very much. Um, if you want to contribute to myself and Robert Shaw's uh, Essendon Revolution Fighting Fund, you can become a Footyology. I'm just kidding. You no. become a Footyology patron. There's links all over the Footyology website, and they are links to Patreon, a wonderful supporter of independent journalism and uh, writing and publishing. So uh, you can help us out that way as well. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. As I said, we will be back uh, midweek with the first of our reviews of the non-final sides for season 2022. Until then, may your news be good news and good night.